Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, hello, Looney listeners. This is episode 78 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I am your host, High Priest of Conchu Ray. And in this very issue, or episode, I keep on saying that, um, we have a special guest. He's no stranger to the show. He is Tommy, the man on the streets. Cavill, Tommy, welcome aboard on this episode. Thank you, Ray. As always, very happy to be here. Oh, it's always fun to have you on, Tommy, as well. And uh, microseconds before we started, just wanted to thank you, Tommy. Um, we are spanning the Atlantic or the Pacific, depending which way you're going. Um, so Tommy is up bright and early for this. I'm heading into the night, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, Tommy, really good to have you with us. And we've got a very special Special review. Uh, it's an arc review, so I believe it is the waxing gibbous. Conchu has told us we must do an arc review, and it is on the Scarlet Redemption for Mark Spector Moon Knight. This should be a an interesting issue, considering you know the '90s and what it gave us. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know we'll get into it, but I, I really enjoyed these, what six issues, and mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get into that, just a little bit of idle chat. Uh, Tommy, I guess we are heading towards the silly season. Um, uh, any any big plans for the fam? Uh, not not too much. Um, I am really looking forward to just vegging out and, and <laughs> relaxing a little bit. My my school's going into um, exams this next week. Our mm-hmm. semester's ending, so it's it's just been a, a crazy last couple of weeks of the semester, and yeah, um, students are starting up bright and early Monday morning. So yeah, how do you feel? Like, do you feel nervous for your students? Like, have you you think you've you've set them on the right course? So, you know, are there a couple of stragglers that you're kind of sweating on? I mean, you know how it goes. We'll we'll see. I I, I have faith that my students will perform, um, but. Three three fifths of my population are freshmen, and this is their first time going into uh, final exams, and so it's that first time is tough for a lot of kids. But we've got I've, I've got you know uh, review sessions tonight, and 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 we'll get them up to snuff. Um, but yeah, but otherwise, just kind of relaxing, hanging out with my my two little boys and, and my wife, and and hopefully getting some reading in because I've actually had to uh, keep my comics on the shelf for the last couple months i've only been able to um dig in and, and and enjoy really some moon Knight issues just to stay up with the podcast um but i've i'm fortunate my uh barber has an extensive collection of graphic novels and oh, really series yeah wow. so I, I whenever i go and get my hair cut i've been checking out a few different um 
a few few different books, and, and most recently, yeah. um, I've been enjoying Jeff Lemire's Descender. Oh, um, I've always wanted to read that the sci-fi. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. I just this last week, I you know, I got my ears lowered a little bit, and I finished the the first trade, and I, I might put that on my Christmas list because Whoa. it's. Um, it's 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 really really cool. Okay, I'm gonna have to follow suit then. Uh, you've you've convinced me just from that uh, f- those few sentences alone. Um, so I had to kind of like snicker a little then when you uh, mentioned your barber had them. Tommy, are you are you returning to your barber a bit a bit more frequently than usual? Is like your hair becoming shorter and sh- shorter and shorter? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so I can read some comics. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Just an excuse. Actually, no, yeah. I'm. I'm on the extended two-month plan when I get 30 minutes to myself to go get get my hair cut. But, oh. <laughs> um, but before that, you know, I, I would, he has uh, huge collections of Swamp Thing, um, Saga. So it's really a lot of fun because you'll get little kids in there um, waiting for their dads to get their hair cut after school. And they kind of look at the shelf and they don't know where to start. And so I, I – I pick out a couple books and say, you know, check this out and see how you like it. So it's been a lot of fun to interact with um, with other people in the shop and, and talk comics. So that, That's really cool. You got me a little worried there when you said, uh, you know, the little kids have access to it. I mean, you mentioned Saga as well. Hopefully hopefully none of them have kind yeah, of yeah. opened it up at that, some – Yeah, that's, that's, on the, that's on the upper shelf. Ah, kids good. can't reach that. <laughs> right next to the lolly jar. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Um, yeah, cool, great. Um, look, I've got Eve's um, parents are over um, are over here for um, for Christmas and New Year's. They've come over from the Netherlands, which is uh, always a long journey, but it's also always awesome to have them here. Uh, so a little shout out to to Ben and Els. I don't think they listened, but uh, they they saw me recording last episode and and they kind of just they nodded their head and they you know raised their thumbs and go good on you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, cool, cool, thanks. You know, just yeah. just a hobby. Um, so they're they're over here, um, but yeah, nothing like you. Hopefully, hopefully, vegging and catching up on comics as well. Um, so behind on on the current list. Uh, so yeah, that should be pretty good. Uh, speaking of which, Tommy, before we crack into anything Moon Ninety, unless there is, of course, something that you're reading Moon Ninety. Uh, apart from Descender, uh, what are your top th- top three hits then? Uh, that you're currently reading? Uh, well, I picked up the new Batman series, the um, the the Black Label. Ah. Uh, but I missed out on I, I missed out on the first issue, and so I was asking around um, at Tardy's at my local shop. You know, do I actually have to read that? And everybody said, not really. I mean, issue one is going for fifty, sixty, seventy-five bucks um, on eBay. Yes. So, and I guess most of what uh, happens in issue one is pretty much explained in the first couple pages of, of the second issue. So, but again, a, a, a lot of what I've been picking up, you know, multiple man just wrapped up what last month. Yeah. Oh, okay. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Did you did you enjoy and, that or? Oh, I well, see, like I said, I, I only read the yeah. first issue, and so oh, okay. I, I, I have I have heaps and stacks of books that I'm hoping yeah. to get through. Okay. Um, but uh, I have been at least checking out some old uh, Zelda manga. Oh, uh, like the the Legend of Zelda. Yes, the um, Nintendo game. Yeah, so just books that I've picked up over the last couple years, and so I've been I, I keep a book in my backpack. So whenever I have some extra time, um, I you know I might 
check that out. Yeah. But otherwise, really, Ray, I am I am so behind. It's just been a it's it's been a, a busy busy last couple months, and so I'm I'm looking forward to jumping in and, and just enjoying all the books that I've picked up every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, just, just just binging big time, eh? I can't wait as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it doesn't sound like I'm as far behind as you. Like, I think I'm, I'm just like about a good month probably behind. Um, but yeah, the, the pile does stack up and yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't wait to, to be able to just set some time down uh you know over the over the, the break the holidays and yeah just get into it so um yeah brilliant i, I was about to say time stamp that loonies that was uh seven minutes seven minutes it was that we had that one batman reference so tommy used his card early well done tommy well done <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's that's the only reference <laughs> yeah that's it the only reference um right well i mean like uh, same with you oh, i haven't been reading much lately uh, i'm still doing Man, I, I feel like I keep on saying this every time on the episode. I'm still doing Werewolf by Night, still doing uh, Ant-Man, uh, the epic collection, um, reading uh, Namor Visionaries, Volume 2 by, by uh, who was it? John Byrne. Uh, that's really good, very 90s-esque, uh, pretty cool Namor stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of current comics like Uncanny X-Men to catch up on. So, uh, yeah. No Superman? <laughs> uh the other Connor, Connor L is is always on my always on my case saying, Ray, Ray, have you read the issue yet? And I said, Sorry, dude, I haven't not yet not yet. I will get to it. He's asked me today and I said, Look, I've got six issues of Moon Knight to to read. Um so no, I've got I've got Superman six, I think, by Bendis. I've got that in the wings. I did buy All Star Superman by is it Grant Morrison and, and Quietly Frank Quietly. Um, which apparently is really good. I bought from a recommendation from oh, from Dustin Colcase Kurtz, and I kind of grimaced because we've had our reference already. But he uh, he got me onto another book by the the man Bat. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I got um, Nightfall Volume Two. So that, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I'm um, Chuck Dixon. Old Chuck Dixon, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a Moon Knight connection there as well. So, uh, yeah, so Superman is in the wings for sure. Um, David, David, well, actually, it wasn't Stuart. I think it was just Dave from Signal of Doom, but he just had Chuck Dixon on, what, last week? Yes, he did. Have you heard the interview? Did you listen to it? Yeah, I did. You know, I I love Chuck Dixon because uh, Batman Nightfall were some of my first comics. You know, my brother had them and. Um, I didn't really care about who the author was when I was in grade school, but you know, when I got back into comics in my adult life, going back to those comics and taking a look at the author, um, but Dixon's nightfall led me to read some of his other work. And so I know that Dave is a really big, uh, Chuck Dixon fan. So it's, it, it was fun. Cause he had, when signal of doom started a couple years ago, one of their first few episodes i think dave was actually interviewing chuck dixon and so that's that that was what really got me to continue listening to signal of doom right um okay because you are you you're, you're quite um uh you know popular in signal of doom they do they do cite a lot of tommy references uh, <laughs> over there as well yeah i i talked to dave once in a while on facebook and um i i just i think 
the dynamic between Dave and Stu is hilarious. And I oh, love, it is absolutely. I love the trash talking that Stu gives Dave. I just think it's hilarious. It is absolutely. Stu really does sound pissed off at, at times. I know they're the best of. <laughs> I know they're the best of friends, so you know you can do that sort of stuff. But it's right. kind of listening to it, you kind of it's almost voyeuristic. <laughs> but it's um, yeah. it is good fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Signal Zoom. Yeah, so shout out to to Dave and Stu doing great work over there. Those guys are powering on. Uh, Dave has the has a privilege, as does Chuck, of knowing Dave um, through um, their same editor, I think, or, or agent. Uh, they're both writers, so. Um, so Dave has the, you know, the, the pleasure of, of knowing Chuck, um, on that level as well, which is pretty cool. Um, radio. Well, before we head into, look, as I mentioned, we are, we are doing, um, an arc review, the Scarlet Redemption, a huge one from Mark Spector Moon Knight. Before we get into that, just quickly, a bit of white noise, uh, only a couple of things. First thing was uh, I'd like to shout out again Delita, our favourite band, um, suppliers of music for Into the Night, eternally grateful from uh, from our temple. Uh, and anyway, Delita just played. Um, I wanted to, to shout them out beforehand, but uh, they played Saturday night. So when you hear this, this will most likely come out uh, Sunday or early Monday for you, uh, listeners. Uh, but Delita have played at 331 Club, at the 331 Club, alongside uh, Witch Watch and the Future Eaters. So any loonies that went along to catch Delita, uh, just drop a line into the group or on the page. It'd be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on Delita. Uh, uh, a massively talented and an awesome, awesome band. Um, I'm not sure if you've had time to listen to some of their music, Tommy, but um, doing great stuff. And Noel is such a nice and, and a dedicated loony as well. Yeah, the the music has added a cool new dynamic to the show too. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, the, the massive impetus was to to have everything kind of, so to speak, homegrown. Uh, for into the night, so very proud to have a a loony supplying the music, and uh, yeah, and in a different dynamic, as you say, uh, it's really exciting. Uh, anyway, Tommy, I know you and I, um, we are on a little bit of a tight schedule, so why don't we just take a quick short break and let's rip straight into this. Hi, this is Chris, and this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. That was just a message from one of our, our fellow collective members. Uh, just a reminder, you can catch any of the collective members. We are a consortium of such uh, of podcasters uh, like-minded. Uh, just check out hashtag the collective net on Twitter, and uh, it should lead you towards 
all the collective members who do comic-based character podcasts or pop culture podcasts. They're really good. So the likes of Defenders TV Podcast, Inner Demons, uh, you have Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Lion Fist. We have a Hulk who have just recorded their 100th episode. Fantastic work, guys. Uh, and also the likes of Capes and Lunatics. They're just they're countless. So check them out. They're really good shows uh, as well. Uh, anyway, Tommy, we... Uh, We've got my people to speak to your people, and you are here, and we are looking at an over-the-moon arc review. Um, would you kindly be able to uh, tell us the the credits for this? There, there are a fair few issues here, six issues, yeah? Yes, yeah, but pretty much the same creative team across the six. So, um, so Mark Spector, Moon Knight, uh, issues 26 through 31, the Scarlet Redemption arc, uh, was written by... a J.M. DiMatteis, artist Ron Garney and Tom Palmer, colors by Christy Scheel, lettered by Ken Lopez, and edited by Danny Fingroth. Yeah, and as you said, pretty consistent throughout the six-issue run. Technically, it's a five-parter with an epilogue at the end, issue 31, which we'll uh, we'll raise, of course. Uh, Available, this is a tricky one, loonies. Uh, trade uh, reprints, they're not available anywhere, really, that I know of. I've checked Comixology as well. Marvel Unlimited don't have them as well. You can really only catch them on single issue, which I'm assuming you're reading, Tommy. Yes, yes. yeah. In fact, um, when I got back into um, comics and, and, and when I started collecting Moon Knight, um, and going back to the Mark Spector Moon Knights, I actually found issues 26 through 31, but this full arc uh, to be some of the easiest issues to find. Okay. Uh, at least in my in my market, um, which you know, as we discuss, I I kind of feel surprising because I really enjoyed the the six issues. So. Mm. I mean, like right off the bat, I'll say it now. When I did pick these up. Back in 1991, because I, I actually, yeah, I mean, I did as a as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed teenager, <laughs> picked them up. I actually, I did didn't enjoy them as much as the other stuff that was coming out around that time. Look, I was a big X Men fan, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, you know, New Moon, New Mutants, all that sort of stuff. I was really into the heavy action, uh, and this is more cerebral. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you'll agree, Tommy. It's um, it's uh, J M Demetrius has a knack of really writing. He's really, um, it's it's along the lines of Doug Mensch. It's very kind of poetic and lyrical, uh, and yeah. yeah, and very much so in this in this arc. So I didn't really enjoy it that much back then. Having said that, and I think I mentioned it in the Looney Bin, I've read it a few times since, and uh, the last couple of days, I think it's been my fourth or fifth reread of it um, over the years, of course, not not concurrently, uh, not consecutively, uh, and yeah, I've really enjoyed it as well. So it's it's. I can't wait to, to get into it. It's definitely worth a read straight off the bat anyway. Um, okay, Tommy, I'm going to put this to you. We have not rehearsed this at all. Um, so for listeners out there who haven't heard us, um, what we usually do is we give a, a sliver, which is a very brief synopsis of the whole arc. Um, you know, we sometimes do it just for a single issue. Uh, and that will be followed by a discussion and a moon rating out of uh, the highly convoluted ITK moon rating system. But, Tommy, unrehearsed, the sliver, I will give you the option. <laughs> I, I have a little synops- synopsis here from uh, courtesy of the Comic Vine. Um, or, 
if you're happy to, you can uh, freestyle it, Tommy, and, and give us a sliver in your own words if you want. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll try my own. Yeah. See how, yeah, I was hoping so, you would. See how well I can remember these, these issues. <laughs> okay. So, Tommy, please deliver right. us this sliver. So, in a couple sentences. So, all right. Stained Glass Scarlet is back on the streets of New York. She's causing havoc, firebombing the city. Only Moon Knight can stop her. And somehow they have this new spiritual bond that brings them together, ties them together, and Moon Knight has to find a way to either sever that bond or actually redeem Stained Glass Scarlet. Yeah. Very succinct, Tommy. I reckon that pretty much ties it up with a neat, beautiful bow. Beautiful, you know, <laughs> festive bow. Uh, very good, yeah. I think that pretty much sums it up. It's uh, especially this bond, this spiritual bond. And um, hang on, let, let's just springboard off that into our discussion. Um, Tommy, they've always had this almost... Uh, psychic bond between the two it's never really explained uh and it's very much explored in in this arc by Demetrius. um what did you make of it were you uneasy were you uneasy with it at all or were you seeking explanation or or did you just roll with it well as a moon knight fan i like weird comics <laughs> and i think that you know, for a lot of Mark Spector Moon Knight, especially several of the issues that just precede um, twenty this run, Scarlet Redemption, that like the trial of Mark Spector, where uh, it's Bushman, right? Um, uh, where Mark is captured by Bushman and he's forced to you know confront demons of his past and it, it, standard nineties action comics. Um, I've I've really enjoyed these these six issues, um, even the epilogue. Um, because of that, the, the spirituality, um, the uh, references to um, religion, um, and also this, this, this metaphysical bond, or, or however you would describe it, that the two share. Um, so, so I think that definitely, once you get into issue 29 and 30, which are part 4 and part 5, there starts to be a little bit more exploration of that bond between... Um, Stingglass Scarlet and Mark, maybe maybe Moon Knight, but um, I think Stingglass Scarlet refers to him as Mark sometimes. Um, but it, but again, it's it's still kind of nebulous. It's it's all kind of based in, in dreams and visions that Scarlet has had and, and Mark has had in the past. Um, so I, I mean the, the the explanation isn't fully there, but but I still I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Uh, look, look, I think initially. Um, back in the nineties, I was a bit perplexed by this uh, this thing that wasn't. You'd you'd really have to um, get rid of your logical kind of mind, I guess, because it, to me, it's never really explained. And we've done the earlier issues as well with Stained Glass Scarlet. She has mentioned that there is this ESP or this bond that they have. Um, it's hard to tell how that's come about. Actually, I'm jumping to what I think it was in part four or five, Tommy, where they start uh, referencing Native American 
like I found that I found that a little weird. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into something that's look. I totally love the arc. Don't get me wrong. I, I really do love it's it. It's part five, I think. Part five. Yeah, that was the first thing that really irked me. I really did love the 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 religious aspects to it. I thought J J M D Mateus handled it really well, and I love this idea of Moon Knight as the angel of mercy. And of course, Stained Glass Scarlet coming from a religious background has associated him as some sort of um, uh, savior slash executioner for her, for her redemption. Uh, but it goes into this Native American uh, spirituality um, in part five. I found that a little out of left field. Am I am I missing something here, Tommy? Yeah, no, for sure. This is in uh, if, if readers or listeners are taking a look at their issues. It is part five, so that's um, issue 30, and it's in the first couple pages. So after the exposition um, at the beginning where there's news reports of Stained Glass Scarlet's firebombing and how it's continuing, six people have died, it goes into these expository um, uh, I guess expository narration from Stained Glass Scarlet as we are looking over these panels of a priest and a priestess, at least that's how Stained Glass Scarlet refers to them, but, but they are, they're, they're stereotyped American Indians, you know, that are dancing around a fire, they're topless, they have feathers in their cap, they have braids, and they're doing some, or performing some ritual around this bonfire. Um, and then the, 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 the priest, the male, throws himself into the fire, but the priestess is unable to follow through. And that's, that kind of is the explanation for Stained Glass Scarlet, how she's like creating all of these fires throughout the city, and, but she, she, she can't find the way to throw herself into the fire. She wants to be cleansed and purified through the fire. Um, so I did, I did find that that was a little strange, just because I, I had no recollection of stained glass scarlet having any affiliation yeah to me too american indian mm. uh, the diverse american indian cultures or, or, or first nations cultures and so it, it seemed that you know stained glass scarlet she's catholic right yes and you know there's a lot of uh, similarities between stained glass scarlet and um daredevil but then suddenly we come to this different culture and it just it, so it did kind of seem like Demetrius was using this stereotyped vision of yeah what american indians are so yeah i, I felt kind of weird yeah i felt he may have and that's this is probably for me the weakest point out of the whole arc i mean and, and out of six issues that's pretty good if there's only just kind of one uh yeah i think he veered away i don't know whether he was trying a bit too much he, he may have overplayed it with this whole uh, spirit, because if, as you mentioned, with the fire, which rightly so, as you said, um, was integral in in that American Indian kind of dance that they, that they did around the bonfire, I took it that her fires that she was starting uh, stemmed from her history, which we do get to see. I think is part four, is it, Tommy? Um, the origin of stained glass scarlet and her abusive father, and she ends yeah. up, yeah, and so she ends up. He gets injured. He breaks his leg. And as a young girl, she um, kind of leaves a cigarette out in the hospital bed or something, and uh, and she actually basically burns him to the burns him, you know, to death, uh, as well as who knows how many others in the hospital. So I took that connection with her, um, I don't know, 
arson arsonist tendencies uh, to come from that. I didn't feel it needed. Yeah, that that Indian. I, I thought there was enough spirituality with her uh, Catholic, you know, background. Um, but anyway, having said the, that, yeah. the references, yeah. the references, the hellfire to yes, you know, yeah, within that that tradition of sinners go to hell and they burn. And then I think it might. It's, I think it's in part five. Mark even kind of calls out, you know, if there is a hell, I would have been there a long time ago because I'm I'm so bad. I've murdered people and I'm, you know, trying to redeem myself. Yeah. Praise Conchu. I- so. Yeah, I think he even he even calls out as well, or his thoughts call out. Um, he's kind of um, judging stained glass Scarlet, but he could well have killed more people than than she has. So uh, he's just as he's got just as much red on his ledger, uh, to use a, a terminology uh, similar to her, uh, more than her. So um, I did love the the spirituality uh, and the parallels with Stained Glass Scarlet and Marlene. That popped up every so often as well. You see, I, I posted it in one of the loony bins, in the loony bin as well. I loved how uh, Di Matteis and Ron Garney use them to parallel, uh, I guess, the I guess the faith in Conchu as well as the, the faith in you know, in God and in Christ, you, you see that with, um, but it's so funny because it's kind of turned around like stained glass scarlet is the, is the malevolent, malevolent one. Although I don't know, would you, would you paint her as sympathetic or did you find her as an out and out villain, Tommy? Um, I, I don't, I didn't see her as a villain in the series. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I necessarily sympathize with her, and I think part of that just comes with the presentation of her character. Um, she's a very pathetic character in <laughs> yeah. the sense, not True. that, no, no, not, yeah. not in the sense that like, oh, she's this is trash. But in, I think what I mean is that um, I don't, I don't, I, w- I don't want to say that I sympathize with her, but it's kind of like you feel sorry for her. Mm. Um, yeah, you do. If, you if do. those, if those can be, if those can be two different. Um, ways of looking at it. I'm trying to. I'm trying to disassociate uh, sympathy from that, that. That that you know you feel sorry for them. Oh, okay. But there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's there's like a saying. There's a saying in the United States. Uh, you know when when people say "bless your heart," really what they mean is "oh, you poor idiot." You know, and that's kind of how I feel about stained glass scarlet. And and I, I think part of me hates to say that because especially recognizing. Uh, Moon Knight and Mark Spector, while his uh, DID is not necessarily explored within this series, the 60 issue series, it's it's more of just like, hey, I'm crazy, and uh, you know, I, I have to deal with that. Um, clearly, Stained Glass Scarlet is dealing with some type of illness, you know, whether that's clinical depression or schizophrenia or whatever it happens to be, you know, that stems from abuse from her childhood. Um, you know, that's very present. Um, and, and, and we have to admit that, but just the way that her character ended up at the very end, you know, with her death or or presumed death, right? Because Mm -hmm. she comes back. She does. Yeah. In, um, that four issue series that we reviewed earlier, uh, this year, actually, um, from the late nineties, uh, resurrection, (laughs) resurrection war. Yeah. I mean, it's more, she comes back more as a vision, I think. Mm. 
Um, yeah, even even then it's vague, I think. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's right. a vision, but but she's very much yeah. Anyway, she, yeah, she she definitely has a um, has her own thoughts and seems to have some sort of sentience. Then um, yeah, but yeah. So so I kind of felt like her character was stronger in the first three issues, um, and then in the last two issues, and that's kind of as we mentioned a few minutes ago, where the the whole spiritual aspect of these uh, uh, several books starts to get a bit nebulous and kind of where is this going? Because, um, Ray, as you mentioned, I, I, I would agree that the explanation in, in part three, or is it part four? Uh, part four, yeah. Where we, yeah, where we see the um, her murdering her father by way of the cigarette in the hospital bed, you know that to me was that's that's where you stop with her character. That that, that that's that's who she is. It's it, it's her she, her adult self stems from the abuse she experienced, but also the choices she made as a child. And then she's trying to redeem herself from that. She tr- believes that she can find that through Moon Knight. But then once we get into Part Five, it's she's kind of all over the place. So yeah, and and um, it seems like J M D Mateus as well has kind of. He's retconned her in a sense that um, when we did first see her in the Doug Mensch uh, Volume One run, and uh, as she as she's come along, uh, it was very much. It seemed like like her trigger was when she killed her own son, right? Mad Dog Fascinera, uh, and yep. to an extent, uh, the abusive relationship between her and her husband Vincent. Is it? I think it's Vincent. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, a uh, Victor. Victor. Um, yeah, so it seemed like James DiMatteis has thought, okay, that's bad enough, but in order to to I guess justify the you know the the, the actions that she's she's carrying out on New York City, uh, it requires a bit more explanation into her past. So that's why I think we get a bit of an origin to her, like really well done in in a very succinct way. Um, but because um, we haven't heard that before about her childhood, her upbringing, and this thing about her father being very religious as well. So that explains why she, I guess, she um, became a nun. Was she a nun? Um, yeah, yeah, okay, I think. I think oh, I can't remember now. I can't remember Tommy if she was a nun before or after she she um uh oh no would have been before she killed her son. But anyway, uh, so her father was very religious and he had this abusive relationship with her, uh, and it even I mean you can take it for what it, it is as well. It, it seems rather abusive. I don't know whether it's just physical, but it could be obviously mental and emotional as well. Um, so that does count. Well, I, th- yeah. I think those are probably tied too. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're experiencing physical abuse, I think that the, the emotional or, or psychological is tied to that. Well, I was heading towards the, the thing. It was, I don't know, maybe it's just me thinking too much into it, but um, he mentions the dad about uh, the mum no longer being there and the way he, that he, he uh, treats Scarlet, I didn't know whether there was almost an incestuous, you know, sexual abuse happening there, but um, you're left to leave it, you're left to, to, you know, make of it what you will, but it's a pretty heavy childhood that she's had, enough to obviously um, kill her own father when he when he's um, incapacitated. So, uh, yeah, so very heavy, so I think she's been retconned quite well into this, uh, and I think that, yeah, it definitely... Uh, 
um, I guess, explains a bit more of her motives. Uh, so we get a bit more of a fleshing out of, of Stained Glass Scarlet here as well. Um, I wanted to also then discuss with you, Tommy, uh, just an, another point of your thoughts on, and I'm leading towards issue uh, part three, which is a, a massively a fantastic issue about Moon Knight. Uh, it's a bit more of an enriching again uh, of his of his history, considering it's Mark Spector Moon Knight the title. Um, but what we get is Scarlet uh, stabbing Moon Knight when they finally meet in you know in the early issues. Uh, were you were you shocked by that um, by that reveal towards the end? I guess. I don't think I was shocked. I mean, because you know, Stingless Scarlet is clearly the the villain. Um, and she, in the first two issues, there's some heavy use of a knife by way of Stingless Scarlet, you know, so <clears throat> I figured, of course, when they meet, you know, this is a, what, five, six issue, uh, run, you know, she's going to cut Mark. Um, but the, the last few issues or last few panels of issue two, though, where she actually stabs him, um, are really cool. There's no dialogue. And it's this, this connection between Mark and Scarlet, and then she pulls the knife, and then there's these really, really cool vertical panels that play out on the first two-thirds of um, the, what, second-to-last page of the comic, where Mark is then plunging into the water, which, in a moment, I, I, I really want to discuss the cover art and oh, yes. the first page of course. art, too. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't shocked by you know, that character choice. Stained Glass Scarlet has to harm Mark in some way. I mean, she's the villain. But what I would say is that in the first several pages of issue three, I just love the way that DiMatteis writes these few pages. Oh, yeah. The artist curator. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if, if listeners have uh, read the uh, most recent um, Miracle Man series, Many of those series use this nine-panel uh, design in the first few pages of the issues and then the final pages, so in the exposition and then the, the end of the, the comic. Um, and that's what DiMatteis and, and his, his creative team uh, do with the issue three, and so it's just so cool. You know, it's a great way to show a time lapse, but it's also a great way to slow time down. Um, and that's where we see Mark having been stabbed on top of, you know, maybe the Brooklyn Bridge, um, experiencing uh, what happens after and then plunging into, uh, the, I don't know, the, into the, the river, yeah. whichever river that is. But, <laughs> so uh, so I wasn't surprised by that choice. I just, I, duh, she carries a crossbow around, yeah. right? I mean, she's, Stained Glass Scarlet is cool. You know, I think she is a really cool character. Like, whereas Daredevil has Typhoid Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Scarlet is is Moon Knight's Typhoid Mary. Yeah, that, that's actually so. a, that's a good comparison, actually. And and there is a very similar relationship. Someone mentioned on the Facebook group again. Uh, it's similar to another hero's relationship with a a a villain called Catwoman. Um, but I think I like the Daredevil Typhoid Mary uh, comparison. I've never heard of her. <laughs> um, uh, but look, what I guess what I was I was getting at as well, Tommy, is that um, it is a tenuous relationship, and I think up until that point as well, I think when I first read this, I was taken aback a little because 
up until that point, Stained Glass Scarlet has been talking of Moon Knight as her saviour, as her angel of mercy. So I was expecting initially that she would come to him. And since they sometimes they do work, you know, together uh, alongside each other um, and for her to rely on him so much, it just surprised me that she then stabs him and gets rid of him. And she mentions later on as well, um, um, I wanted to be saved, but but she kind of almost gave up on herself. She said, oh, but I'm damned anyway, so stuff that option. And, and that's why she kind of stabbed him. Um, it, it's a bit of a, it is a bit of a strange one because she does lead the reader to believing that, I mean, she draws Moon Knight out with, uh, with Crawley at the beginning, right? So she, she blows up Jenna's diner with that one, with that one crossbow, um, arrow just strategically shot into the stove somehow that blows up the whole diner uh and she does it actually again with the moon, well, with the moon it, was, it was yeah, it's explained that that's an incendiary bolt oh so okay right it, it was it was tipped with an explosive or something oh so she okay probably you know she planned out and, and hit the gas line or oh something okay like that, okay so. okay because I, I found that i found that a little funny and then we see i think at the end of uh issue two with again one arrow she blows up the whole moon cap copter but that could be the same thing can't it i guess um yeah but anyway so she draws out crawley and she actually and this is another point she um i really wanted to talk about she uh she she the supporting characters uh Dimitace uses really well so we get a, we get to see a bit of frenchy that's kind of fleshed out a bit crawley is actually used in in a heterosexual relationship yeah too. yeah exactly. so this is before uh frenchy was rewritten mm-hmm. yeah so yeah this is one of the i think the, one of the few instances you see him uh in a relationship but uh yeah but you see frenchy she 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 gets him as well she actually captures him all to to draw moon knight out um but yeah, I guess I was under the pretext that it was because she wanted to meet him, to to be with him, you know, because he's the angel of mercy. But yeah, but she ends up stabbing him, which is um, which is quite uh, well, I found initially quite shocking. Hindsight is a is a, is a good thing, obviously. Um, well, I th- I think that so, you know, speaking to hindsight and looking at the entire arc, where by the end she, you know, really is craving Moon Knight to to redeem her. As she played, and you know, as we mentioned before, with the American Indian vision scene, and you know, li- having lived a past life, and these two are connected, maybe having lived past lives together, of being the priest and the priestess. Um, I guess I saw that more as in the first two issues, Scarlet sees that she needs to kill Moon Knight in order to be cleansed, right? And healed, right? But then after. Moon Knight presumably dies because that's second death. That, that's something that I didn't really like about these issues. This idea that Moon Knight dies again and then Kanji rescues him again and then he's no longer the uh, harbinger of, of vengeance but now of mercy and rescuing people. Yeah, that's we right. see in the epilogue. Yes, good um, point. I, I saw issue, issue the, not issue three, issue 28, but part three as the turning point where when Moon Knight comes back, Scarlet then has um, uh, like a complication added where she then needs to uh, deal with the fact that Mark isn't actually dead and then that then propels her character to take the steps that she does. So it's, I, I didn't see it as like Scarlet from uh, issue 26 through issue 30 had a plan that everything that she did in, 
basically the action of every issue is going to play out the way that it does. I saw it more as she had a plan in 26 and 27. She kills Moon Knight at the end of 27. He drowns or he's poisoned, you know, from the knife wound, however that works. But then when he comes back, she then has to deal with the fact that Moon Knight is back. And then she still sees him as her angel of mercy, her priest. So I, I saw it more as just like that. This was like a part one and part two for Stained Glass Scarlet. Yeah. Oh, you know? oh look, I, t- I totally agree as well. Her actions seem quite whimsical, it seems to me. Um, and yeah, and and her mental state obviously um, precludes that as well. She... You know, she 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 bounces from here and there. Look, she she is for all intents. She she does have some sort of illness. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know everything that we've just mentioned and what you've just said as well, Tommy. I think it's um, Demetrius has done a great job in depicting stained glass Scarlet. He actually has given us so much, so much more um, depth and empathy from the readers that she really comes into her own in this. Um, and, and it's, you know, all the more, I guess, tragic at the end when she does kind of meet her demise. Um, look, Tommy, also as well, I wanted to, just before we get in, I wanted to get into um, part three, but uh, you mentioned um, the covers. Let's talk about the covers. Yeah, I was scrounging around to see if uh, who actually crafted the the covers and, and who has the art credit for these. And I, I've had some difficulty determining that. Um, but I love these. They are uh, fantastic. You know, when I purchased yeah. these, I thought, wow, you know, and I think I bought these, I don't know, maybe four years ago um, or within a span of, of a few months because I bought them as singles. Um, and I just thought, wow, these, these look really cool. Uh, and the covers, as usual, usually don't match up with the art that's inside, which I would still I would still compliment. I really enjoyed uh, the art, um, just panel by panel. But the covers are so cool. So for readers, uh, I would re- truly encourage you, if you haven't read these issues before, is to look each of these up online as you are listening now to the podcast and just check them out. Um, it's a really, really cool technique where there's a, a core design and a core cover, um, a lot of uh, Egyptian spiritual uh, design, hieroglyphics are used, um, but but ritualistic designs that are that are included. But then on superimposed on top of that core cover design for each of the issues is almost like an etching. It's almost as if the artist took took a pastel knife and scratched away at the surface to reveal these these other designs. And so the the, the superimposition of, of, of these kind of ritualistic designs are almost like runes. Um, I mean, there's some hieroglyphs, and, and part three, for example, issue twenty eight has I don't know if that's the the, the oh like Osiris, a yeah bird or but, yeah, but it's yeah, but it's you know this Egyptian bird. Um, but just really, and there's a, like a scarab beetle, I think on part four. And then finally with part five, you have this etching of moon Knight over maybe the Brooklyn bridge. And it's just, it's that extra layer to the covers is so cool. And I know it's super nineties and all the pastel colors are kind of out of, or actually kind of coming back into vogue, uh, now in the, in the, uh, 2010s and almost 2020s now, but just really, really cool covers. And I know that Mark Spector Moon Knight, the, the run as a whole, the 60 issues kind of gets knocked as being <laughs> trash. And it 
throws out Mark's uh, illness and it, you know, just focuses on Mark rather than um, his other identities. But these, these are, are like mountable worthy. I, I want to slab these and put these on my wall. They just look so cool. Uh, with each other yeah so. oh look absolutely as well um there are if there are like a few gems like hit like you know hidden gems in the mark specter moon knight run um rightly as you say tommy it is kind of like amusingly looked at as the 90s run but there are there are some really good arcs exactly like this one as well for me a lot of the earlier ones in the run um so actually a lot of chuck dixon um uh earlier on uh and um, there was one with um with with Ghost Rider I really loved as well. That was written by Howard Mackey, which we which we reviewed as well. Um, but yeah, these um these covers you could really I'd go even one step further, Tommy, and say you can strip away all the comic book you know format, and these are poster worthy, right? You know, you could really just fr- oh absolutely yeah frame these. I love these ones. My favorite. My favorite would be uh, it's it's hard to say, but my favorite would be either the first, the first one, or um oh god they or the second or fifth one. Um, they they're all of them really good, and you can just have them. You'd be quite proud to have them on on your wall as a as a work of art. Really, fantastic stuff. Um, and you that get, first one is so cool. The though. first one is I just the colors are great. I don't know something I, I really love about the the Mark Spector. Um, Moon Knight series is that with the covers especially often Moon Knight is depicted with his eyes um, it, when he's when Mark is in in his Moon Knight costume um, the eyes are askew and they're asymmetrical and that first cover really shows that where where his his cowl and his his cloak or his cape are are, are just draping over him. Um, and it's it's not that clean look that we have um, from you know two thousand five two thousand six on, uh, even through the most recent series, which you know has its place and is really cool. You know, it, it, it's the the last series, the, the Max Bemis series was, uh, and Burroughs was depicted him in a, in a really cool way. But but issue twenty six shows Moon Knight as in this like prost- prostate position. Um, where he is uh, almost ready to strike out or ready to receive Conchu's blessing uh, on his knees, and it's just—it's really, really cool. It is very, very good indeed. And um, also, as well, just further to what you mentioned, like these five covers. I'm not counting the epilogue because the epilogue is more standard. I think um, Mark Spector Moon Knight cover, but these five covers by Bill Sinkovich. Um, Man, they do stand out. If you if you put all the covers out for Mark Spector Moon Knight, these ones really do stand out. All the others, you know, are great and and are fantastic in their own right. But they're a lot more they're a lot more um, regular than what you'd expect. These really, I don't know. They uh, Bill Sinkevich must have obviously had a reputation because he was allowed a bit of leeway. So here. it is Bill Sinkevich. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, I'm. I can. Oh my gosh, yeah. his, his signature <laughs> where he marked each painting, it's so subtle. I'm just seeing it now. Yeah, oh yeah, there it is. Yep, in uh, issue, the, the first issue, 26. It's very subtle. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, it looks like almost so, like a bit of just a crack in the wall. <laughs> um, 
But yeah. yeah. And, oh my God, that that man is a master. He's, he is yeah. unbelievable. He must have obviously had a reputation where Marvel said, okay, free reign, go for it, Bill, because you are yeah. a true artist. Because you you don't see anything like this in the rest of the run. Um, it, it's It's really, really good. Um, and also, you mentioned Tommy. The first pages, I think the first pages probably warrant to mention. Yeah, those are really cool. So, the um, for listeners, the first page, the title page of each issue, uh, shares a, a similar design across the first five issues, where there's uh, typically water involved, fire involved. Uh, at times, windows like the, the stained glass windows, and picked uh, depending either Scarlet ascending or descending, Mar- or or in a position where they she seems to be suffering with her hands kind of reaching out from the the loam or the the water, whatever it happens to be, um, or or Mark or Moon Knight in the exact same position where either Moon Knight is ascending, descending, or reaching uh, up from below. And so it's really, really cool. But the, uh, what DiMatteis does is he also provides all these allusions to um, other – I guess they're less allusions and more just direct quotations yeah. from oh, um, really good. Yeah. classic works. You know, he's got some Percy Bysshelly in there you know, who wrote Ozymandias uh, for Breaking Bad fans, <laughs> William Blake. William Blake, yeah. Which uh, uh, which Scarlet Gospel was, yeah Scarlet and Moon Knight reference in Newton. in the story themselves yeah um, William Blake I mean sorry they talk about Blake in the in the issue which is right really good. right uh, and each of those references uh, you know talk a little bit about resurrection to a certain degree or, or it's not resurrection I'm sorry I'm thinking resurrection war um, but redemption so so being cleansed which you know has to do a lot with this cleansing by fire, this purification by fire, which runs throughout the arc. Um, so just, I don't know, those little touches by DiMatteis really, I mean, for, for a 90s, a 90s comic, you know, where we're all wearing little packs on our belts <laughs> and our wrists. Yeah. Um, this really stands out as, as Absolutely. worthy of, of a contemporary audience, I feel. Um, you know, not taking anything away from the others during the 90s, but yeah, this does seem like a really mature uh, yeah, just just on a different level kind of arc as opposed to some of the more tried and true stories that you see. Uh, again, not taking nothing away from the other writers there, and they're real good in their own right, but J.M. Dumitez, having read this, and you've have you read Craven's Last Hunt as well? Um, mm, so he's got a, he's, there's a particular style to him, and... Uh, and it's really good. I, th- I think he just kind of goes against the grain a little with conventional comic writing. And I think it's well suited with Moon Knight and Scarlet, Sanglass Scarlet here. I think he's really found his groove with Scarlet Fascinera. Um, look, Tommy, I'm just mindful of the time as well. Uh, is there any other main big theme that you'd like to cover for for this arc before we get into our rating? Uh, I don't think no, so necessarily. Just that um, the the art within each of the issues uh, is I, I, I felt quite excellent. Um, it's it really made uh, reading these uh, quite a pleasure. Um, so the, I mean the cover art, the design, 
And Stained Glass Scarlet, for the most part, is treated as a really interesting character. I mean, she kind of fades out in part five and, and doesn't have the best Oh, act. no, not at all. And of, yeah. and, of course, she's tragic. You know, you just have to deal with the fact that she's never going to be truly redeemed, I suppose. Um, and we'll, perhaps I would love to see her come back uh, in future Moon Knight series. But uh, part three, though, just very quickly... Um, we mentioned this before, but briefly explores Mark's relationship yes, with his father. That's a massive thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And and his own religious background, which in the final issue, well, not not the epilogue. I'm sorry. Uh, which honestly, uh, listeners, you do not have to read the epilogue. No, nah, not really. Just a, it's a it's a series of vignettes where Moon Knight decides to go on a new path where he's not going to be the bringer of vengeance, but he's going to help people out. Um, I mean, it's it's good, but not It's not essential, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but in part five, Mark tells Marlene that... Or actually, no, it's before Mark has his rendezvous with Marlene. Um, he says a prayer for Stained Glass Scarlet, which I thought was really interesting. Because we, we typically see Mark as this individual that has eschewed God and does not have a relationship with religion. And that was brought about because of his father... Uh, and then we saw in the most recent series, uh, from Bemis, um, with uncle Ernst, all the complications that Mark has with Judaism, but also just with, with, with religion and faith, uh, especially with, with Kanchu. Um, so I thought that that was a really interesting read. And I would say that issue three is, is an essential yes. read for a Moon Knight fan. Absolutely. Uh, it, when exploring Mark's spirituality and, and his, uh, background in, in religion and faith. Um, so. Oh, no, a- absolutely. And I think the good thing is um, is that we will we will get to issue by issue eventually as well. So bear in mind, this is an ARC review. Um, and, you know, Tommy, you raise a massive point with issue three being a very important issue. And Demetrius does very well in succinctly... Um, capping off relationships between Mark and his father, Mark and Conchu, even Mark and Randall, his bigger brother, uh, his bigger brother. So you get that master. Yeah, that was a, yeah. an interesting thing to note. Yeah, very master. Randall's the older brother. Yes. Uh, whereas in at least the last uh, several series or volumes, uh, Randall's been the younger. Yeah. So. so there's been a discrepancy there, but um, they play the they play off the relationships there, which we see in the Bemis run later on. Uh, a bit more, and yeah, it is the Bemis run, isn't it? Or the no, the Lemire run. Oh my god, I can't remember. But there is a um an exploration of Randall and Mark's um. Oh, it's actually no, it's actually in Mark Spector Moon Knight a bit later on. Um, Blood Brothers is the is the arc. Uh, I believe it's later on in the run. But anyway, um, yep. Yeah, so very succinctly done. Issue three is oh. Part three is, is is essential. So yeah, Looney's. If if anything, if you can find part three, it uh, it is really good. Uh, and not much is given throughout the whole arc, uh, throughout the whole run of Mark Spector Moon Knight on Mark's kind of past and relationships with his dad and and his uh, relatives. So uh, Demetrius again really kind of pushing the boundaries in this run at least. Um, so yeah. Uh, Look, uh, Tommy, just another couple of little notes here before we get into our moon ratings. Um, 
Marlene, she seems um, that she can't get out of bed every time we see her. She's she's in bed and in lingerie. So, um, Dean Mateus. Yeah, welcome to the 90s. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. She, is, she, she is Mark's pilot. She is, and she does save him. She's the one that pulls him out of the water. So, again, yeah. she is Mark's saviour. And she does have an integral part in it in that she is kind of the almost the foil, so to speak, to, to Stained Glass Scarlet. You see a lot of parallels between her when she actually looks towards Konshu, Stained Glass Scarlet looks towards the altar. There's, there's a lot of visual comparisons between the two. Um, and finally, oh yeah, finally all I was about to say was uh, I did love the action. There was enough There was enough street-level action here. Uh, Dimitrius is, is mindful of not only having it such a character focused thing and he does give us a lot of moon knight um busting some criminals on the street so i loved seeing that as well which um, we need more of you know um i, I felt a little short changed in the bemis run uh give us more mark specter or moon knight just kicking ass i say yeah like the, uh, especially with these last few issues and and the epilogue the epilogue too, he does mark is just yeah the epilogue he does it yeah, a lot throwing down yeah it reminded me of um the ellis run yeah, right. And yes. Just how I I would agree with the last uh, twelve issues. You know, we it was more cerebral. It was more an exploration of character as opposed to Mark just beating up baddies. Um, and and very quickly too. Did you notice that uh, in the epilogue when Moon Knight uh, goes to Little Italy, and I'm I'm blanking on the the character's name, but where Moon Knight throws down in that Italian restaurant, uh, Giovitti. He, is it? Yeah. Yeah, he uses uh, a crescent yes. dart, but then he also throws out this like Egyptian the boomerang. boomerang. Yeah, and then yeah. this axe yes. that has these Egyptian hieroglyphs on it. Yes, like that's what I want to see. Do you, do, do you recall in the Bemis run? I'm, I'm, I want to say it's like uh, 195, but it was mm-hmm. the first collective issue yeah. where Moon Knight has the sword belt. Yeah, that's what we need to see yeah, more the, of. Yeah, that's the you know remember. Um, my son Remy asked Max yeah, about yeah, you know, right. why does why does Moon Knight have a, 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 <laughs> exactly. a sword belt or whatever? Um, but like these these cool little gadgets, yeah. um, I, I love that. Not to draw a connection to somebody that maybe knows a woman <laughs> named Cat, <laughs> but uh, exactly right. That. You know, it, it does stick out to, to like kids and, and you know and and to to fans as well. We need more of these gadgets. We need more of these. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I my eyes opened up when that boomerang came. It was like, yes, this is a little callback to it. You know, the Fist of Conchu. So, uh, really enjoyable stuff. Um, okay, Tommy, we better uh, wrap up now. Um, just because I've we've got one Mooney missive I want to get through as well. But uh, Moon ratings. So, in our highly convoluted system, Tommy, uh, what would you give the whole arc? We're talking about as a as a whole. Um, twenty six to thirty one, the Scarlet Redemption. Uh, well, I'd say for uh, this is an the the arc I think is an essential read for a Moon Knight fan. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, but otherwise, I would probably give this like a three quarter moon. Three quarter moon. I'd say that. The, yep. So it was it was good, and I I want to read it again, but it's. It's not the best comics that I've read. Okay. Yep. So three quarter moon, that equates to obviously so three quarters, seven and a half out of yeah, ten. Seven point five. Seven point five. Pretty pretty de- that is more than decent. That's a pretty impressive score. Um I'd go for a waxing gibbous. Tommy, I'd go in the vicinity of eight. Actually, I wouldn't go high as nine out of ten. I'd say eight. 
8 out of 10, a waxing gibbous. Um, I really enjoyed this. As I mentioned, I enjoyed it a lot more the more times I reread it. Um, the first time when I read it in the early 90s, I wasn't that invested in this sort of storytelling. Uh, this is really interesting to me now. Um, there is a there is a bit of... Um, there are a few um, flat bits, like you know what we mentioned with the, the American Indian um, spirituality and uh, uh, and such, but um, and, and you know stained glass scarlets, this this psychic bond with Moon Knight, which um, is a, still a little kind of <laughs> sticks in my mind. Other than that, I thought it was a highly enjoyable run. Uh, I found reading these six issues for for this epi- for this episode today uh no trouble at all so that's that's a good indication as well uh so there you go loonies three quarter moon 7.5 and an eight out of ten um go get yourself some copies of this as tommy says they're not that hard to find or actually to spend on so hopefully that's still the case as we speak um before we go tommy i know um we're both pressed for time here but it's been an absolute pleasure we have one Mooney missive here from our friend Josh Geronimo Johnson. Uh, do you want to read this one out for us? Yeah, sure, Josh. So uh, uh, an avid uh, Moon Knight fan and, and, and major contributor to our community. So, Josh, thanks for uh, chiming in. Uh, Josh says, definitely a dark, epic tale. J.M.D. Mateus is one of my favorite writers, and this is no exception. Stained Glass Scarlet turns out to be a quite formidable foe for Moon Knight, and the relationship between the two sort of reminds me of <laughs> relationship. Lusty, but dangerous. The end of part two, where Mooney gets stabbed and falls off a damn bridge, was quite shocking, but seeing him come back from that was pretty awesome. Those Sienkiewicz covers are trippy, but cool as well. I'd give this arc a waxing gibbous. Hey, much like you, Ray. Yeah, and, and thank you very much, Josh. And I'll just explain it now. I'm going to do it in post, Tommy, but I will bleep out those two names that you just read out because, as we mentioned, there is only one reference. But, Loonies, you can very much <laughs> figure out who those two were. Um, I'll leave it up to you. But uh, hopefully, if I get around to it, <laughs> their names have been bleeped out. But thank you, Josh. Thank you so much. Uh, Waxing Gibbous. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're uh, yeah, same, same along the line. Lo- oh, <laughs> along the same lines. Eight or nine out of ten. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for that feedback. Um, yeah, I, I did find that quite shocking as well, getting stabbed and falling off. Uh, and the Sinkevich uh, covers we definitely, we mentioned, had to be mentioned in this um, in this show. We could not. It was just, they're just spectacular. Um, right, well then, well, I think, Loonies, we are going to have to wrap up now. Um, Tommy, the man on the streets, Cavill, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for so much for waking up early. Uh there were a, a little technical difficulties at the beginning, but um, I've thoroughly enjoyed our talk. This has been um, a really good one to talk about. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And big surprise, technical difficulties on ITK? <laughs> no, no. No, surely not. No, we're, we're like yeah. a will-all machine. No, no, really appreciate it, Tommy. Um, legend, always, always keen to talk to you. Um, it, it's, it's just really good. So uh, anytime. And, and also all the best to the family. Um, and for the holiday break coming up as well, but I'm sure I'll see you somewhere around the traps on the ITK group or community. Indeed, and I'm sure I'll talk to you, but, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you. and Thank you. Enjoy, enjoy your time with your uh, 
Netherlander family. <laughs> thank you. So. Thank you very much. Um, that's all from us, Looney's next phase. Look, you're going to have to check our ITK newsletter uh, next week. It is uh, coming up towards Christmas, so Connishu and I are talking about a Christmas special. Could potentially be a year in review and or a discussion of Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight's one-shot comic, Silent Night, released in January 2009 by Peter Milligan and Lawrence Campbell. Uh, but just keep your eyes out for the ITK newsletter and we'll confirm what we'll have for our next show. Uh, finally, as well, you can find us on email, itkmoonnight at gmail.com. Our website is intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com. We're on Facebook, a page, facebook.com slash itkmoonnight, and we have a an awesome group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash itkmoonnight. We are on Twitter, at itkmoonnight, surprisingly, and we're on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for Into the Night, a Moonlight podcast. Uh, iTunes ratings would be very much appreciated if you enjoyed what you've heard here. Uh, if you enjoyed Tommy's dulcet tones, uh, please hit us up with a review. We very much appreciate it. It just helps us find other loonies out there. Uh, finally, we're on all good podcast catches, so whatever you're listening to now, or also Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all that jazz, we're on that. So once again, a huge thank you to Tommy, the man on the streets, Cavill. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Tommy, before I ask you to maybe sign us off for tonight, um, finally, uh, any any um, any Moon Knight uh, recommendations to, to friends? Any stocking fillers that you might be um, thrusting upon friends of yours or family? Yeah, so the uh, most recent Bemis run, several of the trades yes. uh, are out. And most recently, over the last couple of months, but the complete collection and hardcover of Jeff Lemire's yes. run from uh, about, what, 2016? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or was that 2014? Um, uh, it came out in September, and I'd say that's about 30 bucks in the U.S., so pick that up. That would be an excellent gift for anybody, even somebody that has never heard of Moon Knight. Um, that's, that's a great place to start. Um, not the best place to start, but it, that would be a great place to start. Beautiful art, beautiful writing, and beautiful presentation in that hardcover. Excellent. Oh, actually, I forgot as well, just before you sign us off, Tommy, also next week, uh, Moon Knight Epic Collection Volume 3, Final Rest is out. That will complete Doug Mench's full run of Moon Knight Volume 1. That is a stocking stuffer if ever I've seen one. Go get it. Go give it to your friends. Give it to your mum. Uh, it's It's fantastic. Anyway, that's it from me. Uh, yeah, Tommy, um, what do we typically say? Yeah, so be well, everyone, and may Kanchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.